Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Razorback fans, and welcome to another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. This episode is brought to you again by Hyman Services. Is your to-do or honey-do list too long to tackle? Are your DIY skills likely to fail you? Do you wish you had a handy friend who do what they say without breaking the bank? Hyman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. Our customer reviews speak volumes. Check Hyman Services' book and call us for all your interior or exterior projects around your home or business. We do repairs, installations, remodels, landscaping, decks, patios, fencing, and much more. Call Hyman Services today at 479-347-9336 and tackle your to-do list without getting your hands dirty. Razorback fans, welcome into episode number 91 of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland. Happy to be joined by Fox Sports' Aaron Torres. You can also catch him on the Aaron Torres podcast. Uh, he has Eric Musselman, our head coach, on quite a bit. Uh, big fan of the Razorback basketball team. We're going to talk about some of his stories uh, with Coach Muss. But going to start off talking about the draft stocks of Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe. AT, appreciate you taking some time out for us, man. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a few weeks and Mother's Day and a few other things got in the way and it just so happened. I wasn't planning on coming on right after I had Coach Buss on the show, but it worked out well. And uh, as always, he was awesome. He's always got interesting things to say, as I know every Arkansas fan knows by this point. But uh, great guy, fun to talk to. And speaking of great guys, fun to talk to. Kyle, let's do it, man. <laughs> well, uh, how are things out there in California? I know that, that you're, you're in L.A., right? And I know it's uh, been pretty wild out there with what's going on. Yeah, it's funny. I was telling you off air, I've kind of, I feel like, become the voice of uh, California, the state. The state, not the, the, the literal state, but the figurative state of California uh, in SEC country. I was on this week in Tuscaloosa. I was on, and I was just on before we recorded in Baton Rouge. Uh, Fayetteville, I go on every week with Phil Elson and Matt Jenkins and one or two other uh, SEC cities, College Station for sure, uh, just because everyone's trying to get a feel for what's going on out here. And so, you know, obviously some of the stuff you read is true. Some of it is false. Some of it is um, maybe not quite what you think. But I do think that, you know, to use a, a term that my buddy Tim Brando from Fox Sports, uh, uh, Fox Sports uses all the time is that California feels like it's kind of the fly in the ointment of college football this year. And Everyone's just trying to figure out what what the uh, the situation is going to be. What's is anything going to change? Obviously, our, our team's going to be able to congregate all that stuff. So it's been a crazy week, and you know we can go in whatever direction you want, but uh, it, it's just it's been crazy because I feel like I probably must have gotten three, four, five uh, uh, requests this week uh, just to talk about what's going on in California. Well, we'll jump right into the NBA draft, which is just over a month away as we're recording. It's on June 25th as of now, unless something happens to change. And 
so far in the latest rankings. Now, of course, Mason Jones has already hired an agent, so he is for sure gone. Isaiah Joe still testing out the waters. He's kind of been up and down in terms of his draft stock. In the latest rankings, as we're recording, Mason Jones is sitting at 64. So right, he started off at 70th. So he's right outside of being drafted with the with the 60 picks that is allotted in NBA draft. Isaiah Joe, as it stands right now, is at 50. I'll just start off by asking, what is your overall take for both of these guys with their draft stock this year? Yeah, I, I think it's really hard outside of those top couple picks to really even speculate. And it's funny because, you know, Kyle, I've been talking about this since the day the NCAA tournament ended was or the day the NCAA tournament was canceled, excuse me, was how it was going to affect the NBA draft. And you would think two months down the road from that point, that we would have a little more clarity on what the NBA draft process looks like, if, if guys will be able to get into facilities to work out, all that kind of stuff. And we're really not even there. And so, you know, when it comes to Mason Jones, I'm a believer. And he's another one a few months ago I had on my podcast, great kid right after the season ended. And I truly believe that, that you know, I, I think that his stock is going to continue to rise as these teams go deeper into the draft process. You know, I mentioned a minute ago I go on in Fayetteville. And one of the things that we've talked about throughout uh, the last couple months, really, is that, you know, Mason Jones, um, look, we, we know what his limitations are athletically. He's a little bit older than you'd love uh, for, for a draft prospect at 22 years old. But I also think there's a couple things. Um, one, I do think by basketball standards, he's still pretty young. And this is what drives me crazy about the conversation in NBA draft circles is you always got to take the young guy with upside. Well, the young guy that might be 19 may have been, you know, might've had his dad put a basketball in his hand at four years old, as opposed to somebody that's 21, 22, like Mason Jones, who really didn't jump two full feet into playing basketball as a serious vocation until his senior year of high school. I mean, that was the thing when I talked to Mason Jones that amazed me was he said, you know, he was basically sitting on the couch, had low self-esteem, all that kind of stuff, uh, it, you know, through the end of his high school career. And it wasn't until his senior year of high school that he got serious. And so I think his teams dive into his background as they dive into his work ethic and they dive into his film. I think he is going to be a guy that moves up draft boards. And I think I said there was two things. And I think the second thing with him, and this is going to sound crazy, but, you know, the one thing that Mason Jones proved this year is that he can really score the basketball in a variety of ways. And I think what I find more and more as I watch the NBA draft, as I kind of follow it, cover it, is that I think once you get past those first 10, 12 picks where you're hoping to draft a star, what you're really doing is just drafting a guy that you hope can do one thing really well for you. And the one thing that Mason Jones can definitively do is score. Um, the analogy that I've used all spring is it almost reminds me of Grant Williams from Tennessee last year. They're obviously completely different players, but Grant Williams, he was an older player. He was a little limited in a lot of ways, but you knew you were going to get energy rebounding toughness from him. And he ended up being a first round draft pick. And so I think when teams sit down and they break down Mason Jones, the person and the basketball player, I think they're going to come away more and more and more impressed. I'll tell you this. I, I, I don't know what board you were referencing. I would, I don't know if it was ESPN, CBS, Fox, whatever. I would be shocked if that kid is not drafted on draft night. And I think, I, I still believe he could be a late first rounder. That's just a little speculation on my point, though. Yeah, CBS was where the most recent one that I had gotten it from. I haven't sure. looked at the other ones. Uh, but in terms of Mason, so let's continue with him. 
He was SEC oh, leading I scorer. Isaiah Joe. I forgot all about it. But oh yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead with that. And we'll, then no, we'll no, 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 no. Wherever you're going to take it, it's we can get back to Mason, uh, Isaiah Joe if you want. Well, what I was going to ask about him. So he, of course, was the SEC leading scorer with 22 points per game. Shot 45 percent from the field. Led the Hogs in almost every single category, and also, of course, was named Co-SEC Player of the Year by the Associated Press. But this is a point that I and I wanted to ask you about it. I had brought this up about two weeks ago, and I'm not necessarily thinking this way, but I think it makes for a decent conversation. Of course, he also had the nine thirty point games. You got to figure that in there. But with where he stands, so I noticed you just said that he could possibly be a late first round, early second. But with where the boards have him and the talk that we're that everybody is speculating at the moment, do you think with all that he did this year, as great as he was, really couldn't have been better? Do you think that that possibly hurt himself in terms of like if he were wanting to come back and build his stock even more? Does that does that possibly hurt him? Uh, and he has really no choice but to go pro at this point. Well, it's a great question, and I think weirdly, um, I think the lack of options really kind of helped him personally this year. And that was one thing, you know, when it was before he had officially hired an agent and we knew he wasn't coming back. That was one thing that I, I talked about is that with that kid, you know, you come back and, and you know, I'm a big fan of Vance Jackson, who I uh, went to my alma mater for a year. UConn grew up right around where I live now in Pasadena, California. I'm a big fan of what he's going to do. It's been well documented what the recruiting class coming in is going to to potentially provide for that program. And I only bring that up because that's a lot of mouths to feed. And yeah, Mason Jones would still be the guy and the star. But, you know, if you went from averaging 22.6 points per game or whatever it ended up finishing up at, and you only averaged 17 and a half, it, it, it sounds stupid. And I think anyone who watches these games would know. I think any Arkansas fan would know if he improved or not. But in the eyes of NBA, oh, well, he couldn't maintain his productivity from uh, a season before. And so, you know, I do think that that selfishly, if you were to ask him, I think he would say that it probably did help him a little bit this year to have that thinner roster, less depth, put the ball in his hands. Ironically, the guy it was funny because I also had this guy on my podcast is the, the guy who ended up winning SEC player of the year, Emmanuel quickly. I think it was very much the same thing for him. You know, I, I heard. Uh, Calipari in the in the in the postseason saying, well, you know, he probably needs to come back and, and show that he can handle the ball and do do this, this and this. And I was talking to people behind the scenes saying, yeah, but if he if he averaged whatever he averaged 19 a game and he comes back and averages 17 and the team uh, struggles out of the gate. Nobody's going to be saying, oh, blame this freshman or that freshman. They're going to be saying, oh, Emmanuel quickly took a step back. And so I think quickly, ironically, because him and Mason Jones were kind of neck and neck all year for that SEC player of the year. But I think ironically, those two have a very similar deal. And I certainly think that's the case for Mason Jones. What teams off the top of your head would you see him fitting in best based on the skill set that you've already mentioned? I've heard the 76ers from a lot of people. That's the team that I'm hearing the most of. But I'm not really sure how much. I know that you're a, mainly a, a massive college basketball guy. Not sure how much NBA you keep up with. But, but from the teams that you've seen, who would you think his skill set would fit in with best? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, to me, I think it's this is such a cop out answer. I think it's every team. I think, you know, the NBA now and you're right. I, you know, I, I really because I cover um college basketball but i also host my national radio show i mean i obviously follow the nba but i don't watch it with a fine-tooth comb night in and night out until the playoffs start and obviously 
who knows if we even will get playoffs this year. Um, but, you know, like like everybody else that's a sports fan, you know, I turn on Sports Center and I see a final score of, you know, 148-142 in regulation. Uh, and it feels to me like everybody in the NBA needs more scoring and more shooting. I think if you ask the Houston Rockets, they would say we need more scoring and more shooting. The, the Golden State Warriors, even when they're healthy. And so to me, um, you know, for that reason, I think he fits in anywhere. I mean, if, if he was a certain player with a certain skill set, it'd be one thing. But that's just a dude that can go out, get buckets and help his team uh, put points on the board. And I just think we're at a time in the NBA where it's never been more valuable to have a lot of guys that can create offense. And he's one guy that could certainly do that. So let's go back to Isaiah Joe. Now, what, what is your take on him? Of course, he's very interesting. And like, of course, Mason's got a very uh, interesting story as well, but Isaiah Joe, we know what kind of shooter he is. I think the entire nation knows what kind of shooter he is, but there is a lot of parts of his game that he does need to work on, but it's still, in, at least in one poll, is sitting at 50, which of course would get him drafted. So w- what is your overall project, or not necessarily projection, but your overall take on him? Yeah, it's it's great point that you bring up, Kyle, because that's kind of where I stand on it is if you're going to tell me Mason Jones could improve his draft stock by coming back, I could buy it. But I don't really know where Mason Jones is going to get better, right? Like he's he's never going to be an elite athlete. He's never going to jump out of the gym. And he just averaged 22 points a game, whereas Isaiah Joe great score, great spot up three point shooter. But I do feel like there is a lot of places that he could improve his game. And so I think for Isaiah Joe, what you really have to ask yourself is frankly, just a very tough question that only he can answer, which is very simply this is that, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you're coming off a season where you miss six games. And as Eric Mosselman just told me the other day, he was really not at 100% for several games before that. I mean, every Arkansas fan listening knows that. And so what you have to ask yourself is, is do you come back? Do you try to work on your game and have a more complete, well-rounded game where you improve your draft stock? But the downside is you did have an injury this year. You did miss time. And there's always fear that it could happen again. And so I think Isaiah Joe is in many ways in a no-win situation. I think he's going to get his shot, but you know, Musk said something really interesting the other day. Uh, I believe it was on my podcast. You know, he does so many interviews. I don't remember if I heard him say it somewhere else or if he said it on my podcast. I think I actually, I take this back. It was not on my show. I read it somewhere, but he said that the advice that he gave to both of those guys is I'm not telling you don't chase your dreams, but just realize you're not only fighting with 59 other guys to, or, you know, hundreds of other guys to be one of the 60 guys drafted. But you're fighting in a year with 60 more guys that are coming into the league and 60 more guys the year after that. And so I thought it was a really poignant comment by him. And Kyle, I know you follow me on social media and, and, you know, whether you do or don't, this is always a stance of mine. So I grew up in Connecticut, as I I referenced, I I went to UConn and Jim Calhoun um, is a guy I've gotten to know through the years. But when he was the head coach at UConn and they were putting all those guys into the NBA, If you look, there's a pretty good track record of all those guys really staying a year longer than maybe people would think. Kemba Walker stayed for three years. Ray Allen stayed three years. Richard Hamilton stayed three years. And what Jim Calhoun always said was, you know, you want to the first contract isn't the one that's going to change your life and your family's life. It's your second contract. And you want to put yourself in the best position possible 
to maximize that second contract. And I don't get for the life of me why more guys don't realize that, you know, is is that everyone's in such a rush. Oh, I got to start my professional clock. I got to make money. But if you're not ready, being a pro, this is a business. You're going to get chewed up and spit out alive. And so I'm just amazed by that. It has nothing to do, do with Isaiah Joe's decision. But just in general, I'm always amazed that more and more guys don't sit back and say, you know what, if I do an extra year, I don't know if it's going to help my draft stock, but I'll be more physically mature. I'll be more mentally mature. Maybe it will help my draft stock. Uh, and I probably have a better chance of sticking long term. So it's a tough situation for Isaiah Joe, nonetheless. Talking about Eric Musselman, you've been mentioning him throughout the, the whole time that we've been talking, and you've really formed a relationship with him even before he was at Arkansas. Just finished with the top five recruiting class and was able to keep all those commits intact. And outside of his extremely outgoing personality, whether it be the social media videos or just how real he is, at the same person as a coach that he is as just an everyday guy, with his experience at so many levels at the NBA, do you think that that's one of the main things that the recruits buy into is that he's been in draft rooms, he's been in the G League, pretty much everywhere that you can at the pro level. And that's really was what going on top of wins, of course. But do you think that that's really just the main thing that recruits really buy into when he's in living rooms or on the phone with them? hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, he is uh, a basketball encyclopedia. Um, you know, I don't know if you got to spend any time around him, Kyle, but I mean, this is a guy, I call him the Forrest Gump of basketball because he has been everywhere at every moment with every key person. You know, uh, we talked about this last dance documentary, him game planning and coaching against Michael Jordan. He's coached with Chuck Daly. He's coached with Hubie Brown. He's coached against all these legends. And I, I know from talking to recruits that, you know, when you go into a recruiting meeting with Coach Muss and his staff, he has a highlight tape pulled up of what you do and how he projects you. And if you stick with what I'm trying to tell you to do in three years, you're going to be playing like this guy, whoever that guy is at the NBA level. And so, you know, I think um, as as Arkansas fans get more comfortable with Coach Muss, I mean, the reality is when you're recruiting elite high school players, especially in basketball, it is how do I get to the NBA? How do I do it as quickly as possible? And I think Eric Musselman has the answer. I think Eric Musselman, at the very least, knows how to get you there, knows what it's going to take. And then it's kind of on you to do what the coaching staff wants to put in the work and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it'll be interesting as he goes through more and more in this college basketball space. But, um, you know, two kids that played for him at Nevada, Cody and Kayla Martin, both got serious minutes in the NBA this year. Um, you know, he's had other guys from Nevada get a cup of coffee. And he, as he continues to recruit elite players, and obviously he inherited two really good ones in Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, I think as more and more of these guys stick in the NBA, I think it'll be an easier and easier selling point. But I have zero doubt in my mind that that is a huge part of who he is and what he sells to these young men. You just touched on a lot of the points of what I'm about to ask. But when you and I talked, I guess it was in November um, when I was doing my other podcast previous to this one, I think that the basketball team had only played like two games at that point. And you had told me a story about when you had first saw him at Nevada, and I wanted you to tell that on here, just the way that he runs practices and what you had got out of that. Yeah, it was really funny. You know, I got to know him. You know, I live out on the West Coast, as you referenced, and I got to know him a little bit through interviews. And at the time, I was doing some stuff for The Athletic when they first launched and got to know him. And then I guess going into his final season at, at Nevada, which was 2018-2019, when they were ranked really high, 
Uh, I went up there for a practice and, and it was crazy because they did one of these preseason NBA combines where they have um, scouts from all over the country kind of come get a first look at their players. And a lot of the major programs do them. Kentucky does it. Um, you know, Auburn's done it in the past, whatever. And, um, you know, I, I talked to a scout that told me they've never seen a practice like it in terms of guys constantly in motion, constantly moving, um, you know, no downtime, whatever. And, you know, I saw it firsthand when I went up to uh, Arkansas or to Nevada, excuse me, when he was uh, the head coach at the University of Nevada. And it was just one of the most surreal things I've ever seen where, um, you know, the, the entire practice, whether it's it's individual work at three or four different courts or, or three or four different baskets, I mean, uh, or whether everybody's running full court or whatever it is, you just have guys constantly moving, constantly working. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, it was really interesting because I saw Jimmy Dykes, uh, the, the obviously the Arkansas former head coach that now is in the uh, works for ESPN and the SEC network. He said that he'd never seen a shoot around like the one he saw at Arkansas the first time that he covered a coach Musselman team this this uh, this winter at Arkansas. So, yeah, I, I don't even know how to fully describe it, but it was just insane. Just the amount of of, of energy that those guys were expending. And like I said, just constant movement, no wasted energy, no wasted minutes, uh, getting the absolute most out of those 20 hours allowed by NCAA rules. Again, guys, we've been talking with Aaron Torres from the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast and Fox Sports Radio. Uh, if you have not, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and definitely give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, one of the best basketball analysts that I have ever seen in depth with just about every t- – I don't even know how many teams. It's like 300 and something, but I swear during the season, it's like you've always got some kind of note about each one of them. <laughs> so uh, you won't find – yeah, you're very hard-pressed to, to find a guy that does – your homework more than AT does. And, and man, uh, really appreciate you taking some time out for us to, to come hang out for a bit. Oh, my pleasure, Kyle, man. It, it was fun. Uh, like I said, I'm glad we could iron out a time and uh, timing worked out well. But no, thank you for having me. Good basketball talk. And uh, we will talk again soon, my friend. Most definitely. Well, that will do it for episode 91 of the Hog Talk podcast. For all of us here, guys, thank you so much for the for the support that you give us. Please be sure to go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on any forum. That'll do it for this week. For all of us here, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.